it's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop were... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on! Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way, do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? Goodness. I'm sure nobody can identify with that, right? That's never happened in your house, right? Oh my goodness. Hey, we forgot to dismiss the kids. Grades K through 5, you can head on out for KQ. So if you haven't headed, headed on out, go for it. Uh, awesome. So today we're talking about relationships, and uh, I just, I saw that clip, and I thought, I, you know, probably like you did at the very beginning, uh, man, this is really serious. And she's like pouring out her heart and everything like that, and then she has, I think she has something sticking in it. Oh, right. But it's never about the nail, right? There's always something deeper uh, going on whenever we talk about relationships. But uh, just wanted to say we're so glad that you're here uh, today. Again, we believe it's no accident that you're here. And we just pray that if it's your first time here, or if you're visiting us today, or if you're from another one of Hope's campuses, we just pray that you feel welcomed here uh, and want to say welcome uh, to our family. So I think we can all agree uh, that there are some definite differences between men and women. Amen? And we're not just here today to pick on the ladies, or we're not here to pick on the guys uh, that have a hard time uh, listening. And so instead, today we are continuing our series that you see on the banner uh, behind me. Praise God for our creative team. Isn't this kind of a neat looking deal up here? That's awesome. Uh, they come up with all those ideas and get all creative like that. So good job to them. Uh, we're continuing this series called Living the Story. And if you were here last year, we knew, you know that we went through the story, went through uh, the Bible together uh, chronologically. And now we're saying, what does it look like to live in that every single day? And a lot of that has to do with relationships, especially those with the opposite gender. Now, Time out, pause. I know what some of you are thinking. Let's just talk about it, okay? For some of you, you're sitting there going, oh, I totally picked the wrong day to come to Hope Des Moines, right? Because uh, I, I've come to worship and I know I've been around church for a while. It's the relationships talk. It's the one Sunday a year where the pastor stands up there and tells us how bad of, uh, of a husband I am, how bad of a wife I am, and then we all leave feeling guilty and like we need, need to do better for God in relationships. Well, that is not what we're going to do 
today. For some of you, you're thinking, great, I'm not married, so I guess I'll just check out. This is not for me. For some of you are thinking, oh, great. You're here with your significant other. You've been having some issues. You've been trying to get through to them, and now you're kind of giving them the little elbow saying, you need to listen to the pastor, and maybe he'll convince you of everything I've been trying to convince you of for the past three months. Amen? Or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, wherever you're at uh, on that and you're looking at the person sitting next to you or you're thinking of somebody in your head right now that's saying, boy, I wish they were here because, man, do they need to hear this. And what I want to challenge you today is to think, what if this was for you? What if it wasn't for your spouse that you're trying to fix? What if it wasn't for your significant other? What if it wasn't for the person that you are still angry at that hurt you? What if it was for you? Because the truth is, every single one of us was created for healthy, godly relationships with the opposite gender, no matter what season of life you're in. It's hardwired into our very being. We can't ignore it. And so I just want to be upfront today because I know when we start talking about relationships between men and women, this is a sensitive topic. We don't, we don't take this lightly, but just because it's messy or it's difficult or hard to talk about doesn't mean that we should avoid it. Part of living the story is addressing head-on those issues that nobody else wants to talk about, and where else are we going to talk about them if we can't talk about them at worship, right? So if we're going to learn how to follow Jesus and be his disciples, a part of that is inviting him into every single aspect of our lives, including how we feel about men, and how we feel about women, not just what people see on the outside on Sundays. So that's our desire today. But if we're honest, we live in a culture that definitely has plenty of ideas about what it means to be a real man, to be a real woman, and to be in relationship with each other. We are bombarded, bombarded every single day with thousands of messages from TV and movies and just the world around us and other relationships that we see that say, this is what love is. This is where you can find pleasure. This is how to have a happy, joyful relationship. But the danger is that if we only rely on our own ideas of that and we never hold it up to God's word and say, wait a minute, some of this doesn't match up. <laughs> if we never do that, we'll never discover God's heart for relationships, because after all, he wrote the book. He's the designer. He wrote the manual. And so instead, I believe what we're being called to today is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12. I think we got this up on the screen. Let's read this nice and loud together. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So today, my question is, are we willing to admit that sometimes we trust our own opinions about relationships more than the one who created us? And if that's the case, then we need to go back in order to go forward. We need to go back to God's original heart for us, his original design, his original intentions for what it means to be a man and woman and be in relationship with each other. And I'm going to do that in two and a half minutes. All right? So here we go. Uh, turn with me to Genesis 1, chapter 27. Genesis is 
in the beginning. That's a nice way to remember it. Uh, it's, it is in the beginning of your Bible, and we're just going to take a jet tour quick through Genesis here. Genesis 1, 27. This is going to sound very familiar to you, but it's important that we start here. Genesis 1, 27. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So in this one verse, we discover two very important things about men and women. When we look at how God created us, we are created in his image, like a mirror. Meaning that when we look at ourselves, there is an image of God that we uniquely project, not just across the board as humans, but uniquely as men and women. There's that extra line in there, male and female. God's like, get this. <laughs> male and female, he created them. We're both created in the image of God, which means before any other man or before any other woman gets to determine our value and worth, God says, I do. Why? Because I created you, and you are my masterpiece. You are the crown of creation. He created you, and so whose opinion do you value higher? And that includes your spouse. <laughs> Even when you have one of those days where you just, oh, you're such a jerk. You're not a jerk. You may be acting like a jerk, but your primary identity is the image of God. And when God looks at us, he sees himself. He sees an image of himself which is perfect. So what does that say about you? When God looks at you, he sees his son, Jesus, whom you have been made perfect through his blood. But as the story continues, we discover that not only are we image bearers, we are created for intimacy. So skip ahead to Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. After Adam and Eve are created, so man and woman are created, Genesis chapter 2, Adam says, This, speaking of the woman, is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Chapter 2, verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Verse 25. Now, the man and his wife were both naked, but get this, they felt no shame. And so I want you to see two important truths here. First of all, relationships, marriage is God's idea. So before anybody else in culture or any, anybody shares their own opinion about what that is, God created man and woman, which means marriage is his idea. He gets to decide what that means. And secondly, we were created for intimacy. Verse 25, they felt no shame. Have you ever wondered what it would be like in relationships across the board to never feel shame? Think about that for a second. No shame, no tension, no bitterness, no arguments, no striving, no trying desperately to present a certain image so that I'm seen and then people will love me. Just trust in each other and God. And wouldn't it be nice if that described all of our relationships, right? But unfortunately, we know that's not the case because the story doesn't end in Genesis 2. It goes on to Genesis so flip the page. The evil one comes and goes after the very thing that we were created for, and he plants seeds of doubt that say you can't truly trust the heart of God. Did God really say that you can't eat from the tree? Can you really trust 
that God, more than anyone else, knows what's best for you in relationship with others. And so we know the story all too well. The apple is bitten. And in verse 7 of chapter 3, if you're following along, we read, At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame. Now, the story comes to a screeching halt. What? God comes along and says, who told you you were naked? Who told you that you need to feel ashamed? In other words, when we stepped outside of God's boundaries, the perfect image of love and trust and freedom, our relationship with him and thus our relationship with members of the opposite gender was broken. It was shattered. And now, instead of that perfect image, a lot of us in our lives feel a little bit more like that. We feel a little bit more like there's pieces missing. It's not quite all that it once was. That perfect image now broken. And no tips or techniques or no human advice can put it back together because what caused that is sin. And it's a deadly disease that's in all of us. Not just the woman, not just the man. All of us have that. And we'll never be able to defeat it on our own. So when we stepped outside of God's design, then comes shame. Then comes blame. Then comes guilt and pain and heartache. And ever since, we felt the effects of that still to this day. So the question is, where do we go from here? Some of you are thinking, what a joy-filled day to come to Hope Des Moines. I am a broken mirror, right? Great job, John. Way to bring up the cheery factor here today. But I say this because as followers of Jesus, here's where we're at. We're at a crossroads. And we can look at this. We can look at our relationships and our past history. We can look at the relationships in our lives. And I think that we have two options. We're at a fork in the road. And we can fall into one of two ditches. One, we can say, well, we're all broken like that, so there's really no hope and there's really no joy, and I don't really have a lot of hope that things are going to get better or, or, or mended or healed. So why even try to put myself out there and have a good relationship? That's this ditch over here. And the other ditch over here, I think, is no, there's really nothing wrong with me and how I view relationships. Things are great in my marriage. Things are great in my dating relationship or whatever that looks like. I'm single. I'm fine with that. And I got no issues with it. Don't worry, John. I've squelched that desire so I don't have to ever deal with it again. I hope that none of those are the case. Because that's not what Scripture tells us to do. Instead, I believe Jesus says, follow me right down the middle of those two ditches and let me show you how to live with a humble hope. And what I mean by that is that an attitude and a heart posture that says, I have so much to learn when it comes to relationships. Guys, can I get an amen? amen? Just singling you out for a second. All of us have so much to learn when it comes to relationships and godly relationships are worth pursuing because the joy is worth it. Because marriage is worth it. Because dating is worth it. Because God created us to be together when we do things his way. And so that's what we're going to do with the rest of our time today. So instead of me standing up here and talking to you about this, uh, I know I am an expert in uh, dealing with females and relationships. I know. 
No, I am not. Uh, so instead of me doing all that by myself, I wanted to invite uh, into the conversation two of the most uh, wonderful women that Andy and I know, and that would be uh, our wives. So if you would, please welcome to the stage Heather and Tiffany. You guys can go on that side. And they're going to try not to step on pieces of broken mirror. Um, everybody say hi, Heather. Hi, everyone. Everybody say hi, Tiffany. Hello. Um, so, at the end of this, I have this feeling that Andy and I are going to be out of a job because you're going to say, I don't want to listen to the guys anymore. Let's just have the women preach it. Amen? Uh, so that, <laughs> that might be the case. So our, our desire today is to do something a little different and simply have a conversation about how we live with humble hope when it comes to relationships. And our desire is to share with you not just the joys. We want to do that because there's a lot of joy, uh, but also the struggles. Uh, this is going to be the uh, unedited version because both of our wives are unedited, right? Uh, and so you're just going to get it straight uh, and honest, and that's the way that we like it. Uh, we desire to be real and honest with you. So um, my prayer is that as we go through this, we're not just going to talk about marriage because we know that in our community, those of you, there are people at all ends of the spectrum when it comes to seasons of uh, your relationships. And so hopefully we'll hit on that through this. But we want to start with, I think, maybe one of the most important questions. And I think that's kind of the elephant in the room. Uh, ladies, this one is just for you. What is it like being married to a pastor? <gasps> Did I just say that? So who wants to start? I can start. Um, what's it like being married to a pastor? The first thing that comes to mind, for real, is it's hard, but it's good. <laughs> um, it, uh, my whole life, I wanted to be a pastor's wife only because, I know that sounds really weird, and it maybe is, um, only because of a woman that I looked up to, and she was a pastor's wife in my church growing up. Um, it's hard, but it's good. Um, it's hard in that um, schedules can be difficult, like in practical ways, it's difficult. Um, it's hard sometimes because um, the role of a pastor can be very emotionally taxing some weeks. And when he comes home, I want him to be emotionally invested in me, and he is. But some weeks, it's more difficult than others, just like everyone. Um, but I have high expectations for him, and he also has high expectations for himself. And so sometimes that makes it hard. But it is so good because we are able to be family together with Caleb, but with all of you, and not everyone can say that they have an extended family of over 200 people <laughs> um, that love you and care about you in ways that I can't even fathom. So that's the long and short of it. Awesome. That was Heather, good. how about you? <laughs> Um, unlike Tiffany, I never wanted to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> I mean, when I met him and began to see that that might be God's calling on his life, and it is definitely a calling, uh, I kind of began to freak out. <laughs> and um, I, 
I kind of could see and think, oh my gosh, what is that going to mean for our weekends, Sundays? And what is that going to mean financially? And what is that going to mean in terms of schedule? Um, but it's been an incredible calling. And I think we've learned that it's a calling on our family. It's not just a calling on Andy. It's, it's our family. But it's um, an incredible joy to be able to share life with all of you. And um, yeah. I would echo Tiffany, good and hard. Good and hard. Awesome. Cool. I'm sure they would tell you much more about that if you asked them. So uh, here's my second question. Because, as I mentioned, uh, those of us here at Hope Des Moines, we're, we're all at different seasons of relationships. And so I wonder, uh, what is one thing, this is for everybody, uh, what is one thing that God has taught you about healthy relationships that you wish you would have known before you started dating or while you were dating? What's one thing that God has taught you about healthy relationships that you wish you would have known when you started this whole process? Yeah, where do you begin? (laughs) Uh, We just celebrated our ninth anniversary uh, last week. That was exciting. And... And I feel like we've learned something in nine years. I feel like I've maybe, maybe gotten a little better game uh, with that. But I, I, I was thinking about this this weekend, and I, honestly, there's quite a list to sort through. And I think for me, it just comes back to the simple things. Especially as a pastor, you would think, like, wow, he should have had that figured out a long time ago. <laughs> I, I think one is I wish I would have been way more aware of how self-centered I was. Uh, I would describe marriage first and in parenting second as two gigantic mirrors that have just been held up to me. And I think God was trying to tell me that for a long time. Um, it's not about you. It's about this bigger story. But I think that's just been part of the challenge. I, I think the other, the other thing is, um, is just that the Bible has something to say to us about that. Relationships. And, and that, I mean, that probably is heretical for a pastor to say to a congregation, but... <laughs> Uh, I think for a long time I really thought, oh yeah, like I know it's there. I'll go read Ephesians 5 or 1 Corinthians 7 when things get really rough or whatever. And uh, to put my trust in myself instead of this is a lesson that I just, I wish I would have been a lot smarter about that earlier on because the, the passage just really stuck to me on the self-centeredness and just, I mean, when we were first married, like I, I didn't even put the toilet paper the right way on the roll, right? Oh, or no. I was like, why do we have to have 14 pillows on our bed? I don't understand. <laughs> like, okay, six or seven. <laughs> See, why do I exaggerate all the time? Yes. And, and there were just these moments, and even in the first couple months, I just thought, what, what's, why? Like, I, I know that she's worth it, but why is this so hard, and, and what does it take to keep going on? And, and the Philippians 2 was the, uh, the image that came to mind, where it just talks about God taking this step from heaven uh, down to earth and going from God to, to being a slave. And, and when you really stop to think about that, there's the essence of service and what does that mean and what does it really look like to put your agenda to the side uh, and move beyond that. I, I guess that I knew that in theory but not in reality so that was, yeah. that's one thing I wish I would have known more about. That's good. Ladies, anything to add? Um, I think that one thing looking back um, when I first married John we had a question and answer session <laughs> afterwards for people to get to know me and so some of you may know this some of you may not. John and I dated for a really long time and You're exaggerating. <laughs> seven years. So, um, maybe even eight. Uh, 
And she so, just couldn't commit to me. I don't know what it was. <laughs> um, but because we dated for so long, we were able to ask a lot of hard questions. And I feel like we did that well, but we could have done that better when we were dating. Um, and so I think something that I would have loved to have somebody communicate to me is ask the hard questions even when you know you don't want to hear the answer because the answer might be exactly what you need to talk about with that person or I mean I'll just say it or it might be the very reason why they might not be the person you should be dating I guess um, so ask the hard questions even when your gut's like oh I think I know what the answer is you know it's kind of like when somebody sends you an email that says I hope I'm not being inconvenient but well maybe you are because you just said <laughs> you're being inconvenient so yeah. like when you have that nudge Ask it. Don't be afraid to ask it. That's good. I, I was thinking about this too, and I think for me it's this idea that, now this might seem crazy, but the primary purpose of marriage or any kind of relationship with the opposite gender, the primary purpose is not to make you happy. Okay, I'm not getting booed off the stage. Okay. God's been teaching me this, that maybe it's more about him making you holy than him making you happy, and I think that God uses relationships at all seasons of our lives to refine us and to make us look more like him. And so to push against that is kind of to push against God's design. And I, I realize that, honestly, I can say this, there's many times where I go looking to Tiffany for the love and validation that I need to be getting from my father, right? I don't know couples, anybody that's ever wrestled with that, but even in the, the, the period of dating where you're thinking about launching into that as well, I think we can go running to other people to give us things that they're never going to be able to give us. And so you will always set up anybody you date, anybody that you're married to, you'll set them up to fail because they're not God. And they'll never be able to give you that love and validation that you were meant to get from him. So that'd be the piece that I would throw in there. And uh, she's imperfect and she was not created to do that, and that's not what she's for. <laughs> she is perfect, but she's imperfect, right? Okay, moving on. Uh, it turns out that sometimes in the church, uh, instead of caring for and celebrating where people are at in the different stages of their relationships, we can be really insensitive as a church sometimes, um, especially when it comes to those that are in this season of singleness. And that could be by choice or not by choice, uh, being widowed or in a season of divorce or just being single. And so I think one of the things that we mistakenly do as a church is we put people in a box uh, of what this is what it means to be single, and then we stick a label uh, on that. And we know that there's many different reasons that people uh, can be sing single, but I want to ask the panel uh, up here, uh, what is one of the biggest myths that you believe is out there about what it means to be Christian and to be single? What's one of the biggest myths that's out there when it comes to being Christian and being single? Who wants that one? I can go first. Um, the first thing that came to my mind when he asked me this question last week was, um, I, as a woman, I don't want to be too much. Meaning, if I'm single uh, and God has given me gifts to be a successful businesswoman or to be a rock star teacher or to go on to get my master's or my doctorate, etc. I don't want to do that because then I'll be too much for a man. I'll, I'll be too smart or I'll, I'll be, um, 
I'll be too big, if you will. Like, I'll just be too much, is what kept coming to my mind. But to, to, to know and live into what God has called you to do as a woman, and those are big things. <laughs> and to also then trust that if God's called you to do X, Y, and Z, and they're huge things to start a business, to be a teacher, to work at Caribou, you have a huge calling on your life. God will match you if he desires you to be married with somebody that will take that dream and make it even bigger. Um, and and to, not, to not squelch what um, God has given you out of fear that if I'm too much this way, there's no way that there will be a man for me. Yeah. Um, That's good. Yeah. Thanks. I, I think there's the message that as a church sometimes we accidentally send and we say, oh, you're people to be pitied if you're in that life stage. Or, um, Yeah, I mean, and sometimes that's unintentional, I think. Um, but I think the other, the other myth that's out there, I think, is that people can believe, and I think this is true for anybody that has uh, an unanswered prayer out there, maybe you've been waiting some, for something for a really long time, it's just that myth that God has given up on you. Uh, I, I think, and I will just say it, I think it's really easy to believe that. Um, I've experienced that in my own life, and the passage that, that I've kept coming back to, and I have seen God be incredibly faithful in, because um, I don't want this to be just a downer, but I think we have examples in our life and our marriage and things as well where God has been incredibly faithful and, and brought that hope that John was talking about to us. Where it just, it just talks about the role of Father, and this is uh, as part of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is talking about prayer and he's teaching his disciples, and he just, he just says to the disciples, you fathers, right? If your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead, right? Or if they, give, if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if we sinful people, if we can get it right sometimes, um, giving good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give us? And I think there's just that narrative that we fall into sometimes that we just think, well, God doesn't care anymore um, about where I'm at, whether I'm in a relationship or not. And I can tell you that Heather and I have firsthand experience. I mean, there was at least two times in our, when we were engaged where we just said, we don't know if this is what God wants us to do. And so we just said, you know, like, let's, let's not talk to each other for a week. Like, let's just take a week off. Let's fast uh, and see. And, and both times God came back to us we felt like with very clear messages that said, no, it's, this is what you should do. And we, you know, kind of had the ups and the downs of that. But it was just crystal clear that we don't just have this abstract God out there somewhere, but we have a Father in heaven who loves us. And if we can get it right sometimes, right, then yeah. he gets it right all the time. That's good. Do you want to add anything to that? I think they covered it they pretty covered well. They covered it? Okay, cool. Um, you can hold it. The, the one thing that I would just add about that is uh, there's this passage that we throw out there. It's like, if you're single and you're a Christian, you have to know this verse of like, um, now I'm, I'm blanking on it, but delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, right? So if I just love God more and if I just pray more and if I go to church every single Sunday, then God will bring me a spouse. I think that's how we translate that verse in, in the church. And that is not what that passage is about <laughs> whatsoever. It could apply to that, uh, but that verse in Psalm 37 is not primarily about that. But if you look right before, uh, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. 
it says, dwell in the, trust in the Lord, dwell in the land, and cultivate faithfulness. And I just love that idea that I think in singleness we can say, well, I'm going to do nothing and just going to be lazy and wait for God to bring me something. Or the other ditch is, I'm going to, for a, maybe a woman, I'm going to put myself out there and be promiscuous. Or for a man, I'm going to go and I'm going to use women and I'm going to be all flirtatious. And, and there's kind of those two ditches. And instead, I think this idea of dwelling in the land and cultivating faithfulness is do godly things, the small things consistently, and develop that uh, righteousness in your heart where you're not being reckless, but you're not being lazy and you're cultivating a heart for God. And don't be afraid to put your roots down. Putting your roots down does not mean that I'm not available for a spouse. So we don't kill the desire. When we say guard your heart as a single person, we're not saying kill that desire. We're saying cultivate that desire and let God refine it. Please, please don't squash it. God never says squash the desires of your heart because he's put those on your heart for reasons. So just it's a daily surrender to him. And I understand that's a lot easier said than done. So shifting uh, focus a little bit in the intro uh, you know, I, I hold up this broken mirror and there may be people out there that are in a season of um, divorce or being widowed or uh, have had negative uh, experiences with relationships. And I think a lot of times we say marriage is a broken institution in this country, so why even bother? And when I look at a lot of, uh, I'm saying this hypothetically, not me, myself, when I look at a lot of marriages out there, uh, I don't see a lot of marriages that I would want to be in. Like, I'm just being honest, right? Because a lot of times we look around and we just see husbands and wives sitting across the table from each other not talking to each other uh, on a date. Um, or they have no mission together anymore. And so I want to address both of those, the greatest joy and the greatest struggle. Because relationships are hard. Marriage is hard. But there's also incredible joy in it. So I want to lift up both of those. And I'm sure that we could all list off a whole bunch of them. But I just want to open that up. What is your greatest struggle in relationship? And what is your greatest joy? Maybe just touch on that quick. Uh, I'll start with the negative and then go positive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that one of our greatest struggles is... um, in the midst of parenting, finding time to remain connected in uh, a unit, it's really tough with three kids to pour into them and pour into a church and pour into one another. Um, God's been doing a lot of work on me this last nine years, I think around pride. And um, for example, he talked about the toilet paper like, there's a right way. There's one way. It's my way. <laughs> and, um, and he has just been whispering to my heart over and over, no, there, there's not one way, and there's not a right way, and you're not always linked to that, even if there was. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so uh, a struggle would be um, letting my pride down. Proverbs talks about um, before pride, with pride comes disgrace, with Humility comes wisdom. Um, And just allowing love to be shown when the pride goes away and allowing conflict to be resolved. I think conflict brings intimacy. 
And um, I think we sometimes shy away from conflict because it feels like it might wedge us, but it doesn't. Uh, if we can just have the, the humility and humbleness to work through that, it's been good. Joy, uh, it's awesome just having a common mission. We both love to love people. Uh, we both have a heart for discipleship, and we get to do that together, and we get to grow together. And I think God even said, he, said, he says, you know, with one, it's awesome. With two, it can be more powerful. And I feel like in our union, uh, we're more powerful together for bringing the kingdom. I think I would echo the, the humility thing. I think, I think the challenge for me has been... See, I was one of those people as a kid, whenever I would have to buy a birthday gift for somebody, I would always give somebody the gift that I wanted, that I thought was really cool. <laughs> so I would give people what, what I thought they wanted rather than what they needed. Uh, and there's a really great book out called The Five Love Languages. Maybe you've heard of that, and I can't remember what all of them are. Um, but I know for a long time, for example, in my family, everybody served one another. And so I've tried to communicate value in our relationship with Heather through serving her. So like I help out the dishes and I mean I've been known to dust and to vacuum and all sorts of crazy things like that. Whoa. Right? Which which is great and some of you are like, "Yeah, all right. Teach my husband to do that, right?" <laughs> but if she's never getting the words that she needs, right? Spoken the truth about her as God sees her in love with eye contact like you know, full intensity, then then there's there's a huge miss there. And I think a lot of times in couples and we are guilty of this I feel like there's this, this intense effort put into loving one another, but because it's not in the right language, um, it misses. But I would totally echo what she said about living, I mean, and it goes with the sermon series, living, we, we as a couple, it's, it's bigger than her and I now. We are wrapped up in this huge story, and we get to see what God does between us and in our kids, but there's also this group of people that's orbiting us, I feel like, in some sense, like that, that God is using us just to somehow do something cool in their lives as well, and that's really exciting. I was uh, thinking about this, and <laughs> I got so many joys, I could do a whole sermon series on joys, but one of the, one of the struggles, uh, not so much to do with her, but just living life together, is the thing that came to mind is having the courage to teach when not everything's perfect at home. Um, not very many people get to know the feeling of getting up in front of 200 people and teaching about marriage when you had an argument with your wife the night before. Or on the way to worship. That's never happened before, right? Um, <laughs> you know what? And that's hard. Because for me, it feels sometimes like a crisis of integrity. Um, and husbands, maybe some of you feel like that. Here I'm off to worship with my Bible, and I just yelled at my wife, you know, uh, or whatever that looks like in your relationship. Um, I think I just want to say that that doesn't disqualify us. I think that's what I've heard from Jesus, is that what qualifies us to lead, what qualifies us to be married, to be in relationship, or to preach a sermon, is not our perfection. It's God's grace. So what qualifies me to be up here every single week is not if I have a perfect marriage. It's that we're on the journey, and we're learning how to love each other. Uh, and we're growing in that. And so I'm not offering, we're not offering to you our, our perfection. Uh, we're offering our brokenness and speaking from hard experience. Pastors' wives, uh, pastors' marriages are not perfect by any means. And so please never get that perception that you have to put on that mask when you walk into worship every week, no matter, no matter who you are. So um, 
The last question I just want to ask, uh, maybe the ladies can take this one. Uh, there are so many couples that we are looking at right now and that will be here for the next service that have so many more years of experience on us that we look up to in marriage. And I just want to say, praise God for you and, uh, and, and for your years of marriage. There's couples that have been married 10, 20, 25, 30, 40 years, and that is awesome. And, and we don't have any right to sit up here and tell you <laughs> what we think. We should have you up here, so we want to honor you in that. But if you could say anything to those couples that are maybe more experienced uh, or maybe something that you've learned from a more experienced couple in your life, what would that be? Okay. Um, I have just seen the example set in my parents and a few other couples in my life of um, rem sticking to the covenant that you set with one another, the commitment. When things get crappy and really hard, and um, I mean, my, my dad came to me a few times and said, I think I want to divorce your mom. Um, mm -hmm. But they, they held it out. They remembered the commitment they made, and that's been a really amazing example of, um, of commitment. Um, and then also just one more thing is, um, like John said, some of you out there have incredible marriages that we look up to, and I think as a body, we're called to share that, share wisdom, um, yeah, don't hold on to that. We need it, <laughs> right? Yeah. We're not perfect up here, and we know you're not perfect, and we know your marriage is not perfect. But as a body of believers, we're called to um, lift one another up, share wisdom, encourage. Um, and so, yeah, I, challenge, I would challenge our body to do that and be that for one another to the young couples in our congregation. Uh, she said exactly what I was going to say, um, is, is to, um, I guess I really feel like I need to say this. Um, I was at a women's retreat yesterday and the speaker talked about internal life and external life and how internal life is what God is speaking to you and external life is what man expects of you. Um, and how living through the internal life is, um, is where community and love and growth happen. And in external life, that's where it's messy and broken because we are living out of what man expects of us. And so I think in, in marriage and with seasoned couples, like I desire to know the external by all means, but really the internal. And that, um, and that is, uh, and that's vulnerable. And that's scary. <laughs> um, and it's scary for us and other couples in our season of life to approach you and ask you out of, who knows, a host of fears. Um, but, but we know that as a couple, um, what I feel like we've learned is that we are on the same team. We've witnessed that from other people. And that's what we desire to glean from um, other couples that are seasoned. So that might not have made sense, but I just really felt um, how are we living internally and what, what we see as external, but how do we get into the internal of marriage and of life as a community? Yeah, that's good. Can you give God some praise for our panel this morning?
So where do we go from here? You've heard some thoughts and you've heard some ideas, uh, but up here in front today, we've, uh, we've still got some broken pieces. And this is all of us. Uh, we're left with that, that broken mirror and uh, this kind of broken view of relationships sometimes. And I, <sighs> I know that not everything is perfect out there for all of you. Um, some of you have told me stories about how you haven't seen your family in five years. Um, or you've had a spouse pass away. Or you so desperately long to be married. Um, and we hurt with you <laughs> in that. And so for some of you, um, you know, it's the abuse from long ago. For some of you, it's that mistake that you made in college. Um, for some of you, it's the marriage that's kind of on the rocks right now. Even if you put on the happy face sometimes. Um, for some of you, it's the fear of the future and putting yourself out there because you're, gonna, you're fearing that you'll be hurt again. Um, and so we hold these pieces together and it, a lot of times what happens in the church is we give you a little pep talk and we send you out. Uh, that's not what we're going to do today, but instead we're going to claim God's truth about what he says about us. And thinking about this, in the first chapter of Colossians, Paul writes this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus. And listen to this. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, all things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. In other words, without Jesus, we're left alone with our broken mirrors. We're left alone holding the pieces of our broken lies. But because of what Jesus has done, you have to know this today. Because of what Jesus has done, healing is available today. Or we negate what he did on the cross. We don't have to live with the broken mirror forever. It's not the end of our story. Jesus says your scars are real, but just because you are a product of your past doesn't mean you have to be a prisoner of your past. When it comes to relationships specifically, healing is available. And Jesus says, I, only I can take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together and make it beautiful again. Me, Jesus says. Not Oprah, not Dr. Phil, not the magazines, not some book on relationships. Me, Jesus says. So come to me. I'm the one that can reconcile you back together. And so we don't want you to just hear about this, but we want you to experience it. And so as Kim and the band uh, lead us in a song, this is a beautiful song about healing. I, I pray that you would just be fully present right here, right now, and just let God speak to you about what you heard today. And then what I want you to do is, if you're on this side, if you're on that side, come up the, the side aisle there, and this is for everybody. I want every single person to do this, because it's important that we do this. We don't just talk about it, we do this. And I want you to come up, and in these baskets on either side are these broken pieces. And I want, I want you to come up and I want you to take one. I want you to breathe it in. 
I want you just to sit there for a second and say, what is this? What's my next step? What is that thing that I need to give to God and say, I can't do this on my own. God, I can't put this piece of my life back together. The argument I had with my spouse, my fear about the future, my longing to be married, my pain from that divorce, whatever it is. And I invite you to put it inside the cross because at the foot of the cross with Jesus, there is healing and he takes the broken pieces of our lives and he puts them back together.